1 John chapter 2, begin to read in verse number 18. Uh, and what have been some challenging things in our uh, country and our world in the past few days and weeks and months. I want to speak to us this morning on this subject, uh, how to have abundant living in the last days. Abundant living in the last days. 1 John chapter 2, we'll begin to read this morning in verse number 18. I'll invite you to stand, all those that can and are able, in honor and in reverence of the reading of God's word. We're in 1 John chapter 2, begin to read in verse number 18. The Bible says these words, little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us eternal life. These things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, but just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous and you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that your spirit would challenge us and speak to us again today, Lord, for the need of the hour. God, we pray for the one that is lost. They've never turned from their sin. They've never trusted Jesus. God, we realize here in the South, there are so many people who have been blinded because they've attached themselves to a church they come from a long, long line of Baptists. Lord, they've just been in and around the gospel their whole life. But the gospel has never made an impact on their life because they've never really turned from sin and trusted Jesus. And God, I pray your Holy Spirit will do what only he can do this morning. And that's to overwhelm a lost person of where they stand before you and their need to turn and trust Christ to be Lord of their life. And God, I pray you'll encourage your church today. I pray that the truth and encouragement that's found in this text, Lord, will, will move us to greater acts of surrender and abandonment in these days. Lord, as, as was sung, give us a servant's heart. Break our hearts over lostness. God, I pray in these days, we, we will so know what our spiritual gift is, what our calling is within the life of the church. And every day, God, we'll live on mission, seeking to reach, to teach, and to encourage. And in these last days, God, the church won't walk around with a defeated look. But God, we will, we will thrive. We will experience the abundant life that you have saved us and you've empowered us to experience. Impact our lives 
with the truth of this word today as we yield ourselves to it into your will. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now I invite you to be seated. John chapter 10 and verse 10, the Bible says, The thief does not come but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what Satan's will is for all people. He wants all people to go to hell. But once you're saved, friend, uh, he wants you to lose your testimony. He wants you to lose the joy of your salvation. He wants you to lose the effectiveness of God being able to work through your life uh, because you become spiritually broken and not serving the Lord. And so, just a reminder, it's been three or four years ago, we preached through the book of First John. Remember that First John chapter 1 uh, deals uh, with light versus darkness, that Christ is the true light. Uh, darkness will not be in the life of any individual who's turned and trusted Jesus Christ. The beginning of chapter 2 deals with love and hate. The Bible clearly teaches, as a child of God, if you hate your brother or sister, now listen to me, doesn't mean you have to prove of what they've done to you. But if you just harbor hatred in your heart, you don't belong to God. Because the Holy Spirit of God, friend, helps you to love people that are unlovable. In the latter part of chapter 2, John begins to challenge believers towards the last days. And certainly we're living in those days. Now, we've been in the last days since Jesus ascended to heaven. But we just completed a study in the book of Matthew chapter 24 of things that the nation of Israel and the lost world and those who are in the world uh, will see during the Great Tribulation. Thanks be to God for the church. We'll be raptured out of here when all that's happened. Somebody say amen. But we certainly see things that look like the things that Jesus said would happen in Matthew chapter 24 that are beginning to happen today. We see challenges, lawlessness, just a complete disregard uh, for human life. Friend, it's true because there are more Christians going to heaven and there aren't people being saved to replace that light. It, it is a simple truth. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. 2 Thessalonians 2 teaches that it's the restraining power of the Holy Spirit that holds back evil in these days. If it were not for the restraining power of the Holy Spirit, friend, listen, evil would sweep over this world like we have never seen. You think what happened last week is bad? Listen to me, you wait until the rapture takes place and the Holy Spirit, all right, we got that taken care of. And when the rapture takes place, listen, the Holy Spirit's going to be gone out of the world at once in the life of the church. And when that happens and the restraining power of the Holy Spirit is gone, friend, listen, there'll be mass shootings, robberies, any sin you can name, friend, will be on every hand and at all times because the Holy Spirit will not be here holding that back anymore and so john is teaching us that in these last days despite what the world may look like all the things that are happening we as believers don't have to walk around defeated we we can live our lives listen that john 10 10 goes on to say the thief comes but to steal kill and destroy but listen to what jesus says i've come that you might have life that spiritual life but life more abundantly and praise God, one of these days, either by grave or air, we're going to heaven, and with the Lord, we're ever going to be. But while we're here, friend, we can have heaven on earth. We don't have to live defeat. We don't have to like the things that are going on. We don't have to prove the things that are going on. But our hope is not in the situation of the world. It's in a person. It's in Jesus Christ. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so in verse number 18, where John says, you know, little children, this is the last hour 
He's not speaking about, listen, a duration, but a kind of time. Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 4. The apostle Paul was writing to the churches in Galatia trying to, to, to assure them and to get them settled in, in the correct doctrine to confront Judaism. But speaking of Christ's birth in Galatians 4, verse 4, listen to what Paul wrote. He says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Uh, not necessarily a, a, a duration of time, but, 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 a, but, a, but a kind of time. We're, we're, we're living in the fourth quarter, all right, for all of you football fans. We're in the fourth quarter. We, we know we're in the last days. We've been in the last days since Jesus ascended to heaven. But listen to me. Only God knows how much time's on the clock. And so what we need to know is that we're living in those last days. And in those last days, we th see things revealed in Scripture that show us and assure us that we're living in the last days. And so we need to be able to thrive. We need to be able to live a life of abundance. And God has saved us to live that kind of life, and he has empowered us to do that, and we need to be able to do it. But we also need to know, Acts chapter 14, verses 21 through 22, we're going to have much tribulation until we get there. The Bible promises us that. I realize there are churches today, listen, friend, all they share is positive, 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 positive. They never talk about the negative. Well, friend, we want you to be equipped with the whole truth of God's Word. Listen, God, He wants to save you. He wants to equip you. He wants to give you an abundant life. But you also need to know that in that abundance, you're going to face a lot of hardship and challenges. There's going to be tribulation in your life. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 18. Our lives are going to be marked by trials. Constant hardship. The book of James says God sends those things so that in, in part we can be joyful that through that he's going to get the, the things that don't look like Christ out of us, Romans 8, 29, and that it can make us more like Christ. But then there's, a, there's an opposing truth. The devil wants to take those, those tests and turn them into temptations to make us not look like Jesus Christ. So there's going to be hardships. There's going to be challenges. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Paul speaks of a life of spiritual warfare. That's what our lives are marked by every day. Every day when you get up, I want you to know it's true, friend. You've got a Savior who's for you. You've got a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You have one that wants to live his life through you. You've got one that wants to have intimacy through, with you through the study of his word and through, through, through the ministry of prayer. But also, just as sure as that tr is truth, you have an enemy who hates your soul. And you're going to have to deal with him every single day through spiritual warfare. And so John gives some encouraging instruction on how we can experience an abundant life in the last days. And so there's three things that must be a reality in your life for you to be able to have in these last days before Christ comes for his church an abundant life. Number one, power must be a reality in your life. You've got to have spiritual power. Look what the Bible says again in 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 18. He begins by saying little children. Well now, listen, John wasn't teaching children's church. He wasn't working in vacation Bible school when he wrote this. He's speaking, John chapter 3, verse 7. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. He was, he was talking to those who had been spiritually born again and to the family of God. Friend, listen, a human doesn't have life outside the womb until they're born. 
Uh, all of you may not know because, regrettably, all of you weren't here Wednesday night, and shame on you for it. Uh, we had a great service, and we were able to honor the Awana kids. And again, I will say thanks to all the listeners, the workers. What a great year we had. And while some of you were sick and weren't able to be here, but some of you know you're well, you're just sitting at home, and God deal with you over it. Uh, but we did announce while uh, we were here Wednesday night that Molly had her baby. And baby's doing well, so Phyllis is now, she, she's, she's a grandma, she's the happiest woman in church over here this morning. She's got a healthy little uh, grand, granddaughter, and so she, she's had that little girl. Listen, that child had life for nine months in the womb, but now she's got life outside the womb. Now she can begin to grow and to develop. And all of that, friend, is because she has life. Listen to me. You can't live an abundant life until you're spiritually born again. One of the challenges here in the South, again, friend, that I found in ministry all these years is this. People are deluded into thinking that all you've got to do is join a church or, or to come from a religious pedigree that because your grandmother or your grandfather was a godly person, somehow the, the oil that's in their lamp for our text this morning, is going to give you oil. And friend, I'm telling you, it won't. You personally must be born again. Nicodemus was one of the most religious people that's ever been. He knew more of Old Testament Scripture than all of us put together will ever combine to know. But here's the problem, friend. He didn't know God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so in order, friend, for you to have spiritual power that you need to be able to survive and to thrive in the days in which we're living... You've got to have your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You must be born again. And so that's why John begins by saying, little children. Uh, and, and then when that happens, Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, Christ promised on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes to live within your heart, when you repent, when you trust me to be Lord of your life, he says, you shall receive power. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the power we need spiritually to be able to grow and to thrive. When Paul says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 13 that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he was declaring there was nothing he could do on his own, but that he could live a life in the will of God and a life that pleased God, but it was only through Christ as he strengthened him. And it began in Acts chapter 9 when Paul had his own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to pause right there, and I want to ask you this morning. If you died today, if this was the last day that you would live, and friend, I'm to, the Bible says there's a heaven and there's a hell, and when you draw your last breath, you're going to one of those two places. If you died today, are you certain you'd go to heaven in accordance with God's Word? God says the only people, friend, listen, that are going to heaven are those who house the Holy Spirit. Those who there's been a moment in their life that they've repented, they've confessed their sin, they've said, God, forgive me a sinner. I trust Jesus to be Lord of my life. You turn to Christ in saving faith. Is there ever a moment that you've done that? If you've never done it, friend, the Bible declares you're lost. You're, you're, you're undone. And if you died today, hell's where you'd spend all eternity. But here's the good news, friend. You don't have to go. God loves you so much, He sent Christ to die in your place. And if you'll only turn and trust Him, friend, you can be born again into the family of God. And the power that you need then to be able to live a life that's pleasing to God, 
you'll have. Then you can say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's no way, friend, you can stand against Satan's schemes that he comes against you every day with without the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it. On your own, you are defenseless. You may, listen, you may be so prideful and just such a spiritual, spiritual smart aleck, you really think you can outwit the devil. Friend, I want to tell you something. You are not more powerful than Satan. He is smarter than you. He is more wise than you. He is more powerful than you. But here's the good news, friend. He's none of those things against Jesus. And so the only hope you have is to, is to depend upon His power. John 15, 5, Jesus says, Without me, you can do nothing. Paul says, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, You can do all things through Christ. One of the greatest illustrations of that is in Acts chapter 19 when Paul was ministering in Ephesus. These seven little snot-nosed kids of a Jewish priest. They saw what Paul was doing, casting out demons, and they thought, boy, we'll try that. We'll make us some money. Let's, let's, go, let's go try to cast out, exercise some of these demons. So they went over and they found someone who was uh, possessed by a demon. And they said, we exercise you through Jesus whom Paul preaches. And that demon looked at these boys who didn't have the power of God on their life, who had never been saved, and they said, Paul I know, and Jesus we know, but who are you? And then they jumped on those boys, friend, and absolutely whipped them to death, and they ran out of the house bleeding and naked. Friend, listen, why? Why couldn't they accomplish something spiritual? Because they didn't have the power. And really, it's an illustration of broken lives that I see every day. The reason so many couples have broken marriages is because they don't have the power of God ruling and reigning over that, life, over that marriage. The reason so many people live just absolutely defeated lives is the power of God isn't there to guide them and to direct them. God's Word can show them the direction they can go, but if they're lost, they can't understand it. So if you're going to live a life in these days of abundance, friend, you must be saved. To access the power of God need to thrive in the last days. You have to be saved. But not only that, friend, you have to be saved. You have to be sanctified. You, you've got to be set apart for God's exclusive use. And then third, you've got to be sanitized. Psalm 66, verse 18. After you're saved, the Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Bible says, God says, I'll not hear you. As, as a child of God, if you've got unrepented sin in your life, friend, it hinders the powered work of God in your life. So you need to be saved, you need to be sanctified, you need to be sanitized, but fourth, you need to be submitted to God's will every day. Ephesians 5.18, be not drunk with wine or sexes, but be filled with the Spirit. It's not then a matter of the Holy Spirit being resident, but it's a matter of Him being, help me out, church, president. To experience the power of God on your life, Jesus must be ruler of your life at all times. So that must be a reality. We have to have power. Secondly, John says in order to experience this abundant life and last days living, a second reality in our life, not only must there be power, but there has to be patrolling. What's well, a good word for Memorial Day? Patrolling. Johnny and some others know what that is. That's, that's out moving the contact. You've been given a mission, soldiers are out in enemy territory beyond friendly lines, and they're patrolling. They're moving to make contact with, with the enemy. And friend, listen, 
We don't move to make contact with the enemy, but we're patrolling every day. That is, we're being on guard. We're constantly scanning. We're always aware. We're not so called up in the affairs of life that we can't sense the leadership of the Holy Spirit to say there's a spiritual booby trap right there. Satan's behind that tree. The devil's trying to work in this situation. It's, it's, it's a life that's being marked by watchfulness. Jesus talked a lot about being watchful. And if you're going to live a life, friend, of abundance in these last days when evil is on every hand, that must be a reality in your life. Look what the Bible says again in verse 17. Little children, it is the, it's, it's the last hour. It's the last hour in these, in these last days. He said, and you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists have come by which we know that it is it's, it's the last hour. John's the only writer in the Bible to use the term, the straight-out term, Antichrist. Three things this refers to. One, it's a spirit in the world that opposes or denies Christ. And certainly we see that spirit today. Somebody say amen. It's all about us. It's in government. It's in education. It's in public service. It's everywhere. There, there is a spirit in the world that opposes or denies the things of Christ. Second, it's, it's a teacher or teachers who embody that spirit in action. They promote anything that opposes or denies Christ. And then third, it's the actual Antichrist. It's the one who will be revealed after the rapture, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It's the man of sin. Remember in John chapter 14, verse 9, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus was a visible manifestation of the Father. Independent, still himself, but he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He, he represented all the power and all the glory of God the Father. Well, so Antichrist will. If you've seen Antichrist, then you've seen Satan. He will, he will be a type of Satan. He seeks to imitate God, but praise his holy name. He can never duplicate God. Imitate but never duplicate. And so he's coming after the rapture. But verse 18 te teaches that prior to that, there's going to be antichrists. There's going to be individuals, teachers of false doctrine. They'll be on the scene seeking to fo sow false doctrine into your life. And you need to be aware of that. Every day, listen, you have an enemy who seeks to sow false doctrine into your life as a believer. And I want you to listen to me. It's not always going to be through worldly radio channels. It's not always going to be through worldly shows, and certainly that's how it works. Sometimes it can be through Christian radio and other Christian teachers that wouldn't know God if they met Him in the road. But if you're not tuned in and you're not grounded in the Word, you start receiving all these things because it's got the right jacket on, but it's the wrong information. It's the wrong information. I, I remember... I'll give you an example. Several years ago, one of the kids had the radio on in, in, in the car, and I was listening. And this little lady was on there, and she was in between songs. And I don't remember, it was some breathy song, you know, and they, they had, they'd finished singing it. And then the, the lady came on and says, uh, we've got a prayer request from a lady. And the girl said, you know, please pray for me. I'm so burdened over my loved ones who aren't saved and I really want them to see saving it's, it's just a constant challenge in my life I don't sleep 
It's affecting my health. I'm so burdened because I don't want them to go to hell. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. The radio lady gave me and she says, you need to stop being that way. She said, because God has already determined whether those loved ones will be saved or not. And you just need to be glad that you're able to be part of the journey. What kind of heresy is she teaching? Calvinism. And see, if you're not grounded in God's Word, then you're going to think, oh, well, God must not want everybody to go to hell. Because the teacher that they had right after that just said, you know, that God determined who would and who would not. And, 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 and the blood of Christ, is, it's, it's limited in its atoning work. And friend, I'm telling you, that's a lie of the devil. The Bible says, whosoever will may come for God so love the world. It's not God's will that any should perish. He wants all to come. And so really the encouragement that girl needed was, we're going to pray for you, but you keep sharing. You keep that burden. You move it on to other people. Friend, listen, the church ought to be burdened that way. The reason the world's in the shape that it's in is because there's not more people who have that kind of burden. I want to tell you, friend, the days ahead, you're going to hear all kinds of things about mass shootings and the reasons that are and are not, and I'm not getting on to any side, but I want to tell you ultimately this, friend, the reason that there are mass shootings, that there's sin in this world, period, it's not because one law exists or one doesn't or because one amendment exists or one doesn't. It's because those people who are committing those have never been born again and the Holy Spirit of God doesn't control their lives. So legislation isn't the answer, friend. It's the gospel that's the answer. And God's called the church to share in these days. You know, it's Memorial Day weekend. Men and women, friend, listen, not in word, in deed. They laid their lives down that we might have the freedom that we have. God helped the church in these days to lay our life down so that other people will be saved. It's not convenient. It is not easy. There's a sacrifice of time and life. But Christ died on the cross that we might be saved. And I'm telling you, friends, the only hope that our country has is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's called us to share it. And God strip away the apathy and the indifference and just the casualness about which we have. It's not about joining the church. It's not about being good. It's about being born again. God help us to share that with others in these days. And that's, those, those are the false doctrines that are being taught. Just a, a casualness. An absolute casualness. Well, if they will, they will. If they won't, they won't. Well, that may be true, but I'm telling you, friend, I'm going to die doing everything I can trying to keep that person from going to hell. And you all be the same. We all do the same. We all have that same burden and brokenness. But be on guard against that kind of false doctrine and that false, that false teaching. The Bible says there's going to be those. You've got to be patrolling. You've got to be looking. You've got to be sensitive to that. Verse number 22, look what the Bible says. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. So on the strong end, yeah, there are many who deny that Jesus is the Christ. There, there are those. There'll be a group that'll knock on your door from time to time. And if you ask them what John 1, 1 says, I promise you it'll be different from what's in your Bible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word's with God, and the Word was God. Well, their Bible says a God. They don't believe that Jesus Christ is God in human flesh. And so they deny that. That's on the strong end. But on the subtle end, there's a lot of Bible teachers today 
They deny the core doctrines by an intentional absence in their teaching. An intentional absence. They deny them by not teaching it. I, I researched a church. Someone had shared with me a, a Christian author to look at. And so I, I began to research this person. And I began to look at their, their church. They'd been pastor of a church they'd planned in a very large city for almost 20 years. And I began to just survey their sermons and their teachings. And man, it was, it was all positive. I mean, it was all positive. It was about inviting people to be a Jesus follower, um, to, to, to let, let Christ live his life through you. I mean, it, I mean it, was just, it was just positive, positive, positive. But there were two words, friend, as I, as I began to go through their, through their teachings and their messages, and I scrubbed their website. Two words that I never found. I'll share them with you. You know what they were? Sin and hell. They never talked about either of those. They talked about, you know, they were encouraging people to be a follower of Jesus. They didn't tell them what was going to happen if they didn't. And they didn't tell people what keeps people from having a relationship with God. And that's sin. They didn't talk about that. And so that leads people to the place saying, well, maybe I'll just be, I'm just going to be a Jesus follower. So, you, know, it's, you know, I'm not feeling real good about myself right now. It's like December 30th. So I'm going to join the gym. You know, and I'm going to be a fitness follower. And by the way, I'm going to be a Jesus follower too. Man, that, friend, that's not the way you come. The Spirit of God convicts of sin, cross-righteousness, judgment to come. What's the judgment? It's an eternity in a place called hell if you don't get saved. That's what we need to tell people. Is that positive? No, but it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. What makes the gospel good news, friend, is what you're saved from and to. And so there's a lot of teachers today, friends, just all positive, positive, positive. They don't talk about the negative if you don't do the positive. And so a true teacher and a true preacher are going to teach all the points of Scripture. Things that they admit, lordship, stewardship. You need to know 2 Corinthians 5.10, as a believer of Christ, you're going to answer to Christ, to the judgment seat of Christ. You're going to give an account for your life. You need to know that. They don't talk about that. They don't talk about discipleship. They don't talk about what Faye and Angie saying. Service. You just come and sit. Enjoy. Here's the big word. The catch word of the day in the church. Community. Man, just enjoy community. Well, what in the world does that even mean? Well, I mean, just enjoy. They don't even talk about it, friend. Listen, God didn't save you just to sit in community. He saved you to serve. He gave you a spiritual gift. There's a calling within the life of the church. And not only that, friend, he's going to hold you accountable before you do it. But for years, Baptists have been raising this idea that I'm serving by just coming and occupying the seat. And that's not service. Thanks be to God that you're here this morning. Hope you come back next week. But you need to listen. The benefit and the purpose of you being here is so we can equip you for the purpose of ministry. God has given you a spiritual gift. You need to know what it is. And you need to put it to work within the life of the church. Part of that service, too, is living on mission every day. Listen, if God has called you to live in a different area, then you're living in sin by being here. But if this is where God has planted you, this is your mission field. And we pray for, we celebrate, we help support, other ministries in different parts of the country because that's where God has called these missionaries. But he has placed us here as missionaries. 
And so thus, friend, people are object of missions. We're to serve by living on mission, evangelism, morality. John brings all these things to, to our attention, friend, to tell us, you said, you need to be alert. You need to be patrolling. There are antichrists who are going to seek to sow into your life false doctrines. And many times, friend, it's because there's an absence of teaching. You know, a lot of times we'll find out that children are sick not because of something they've ingested, but because of what they're deficient in. They're, they've become unhealthy because there's a deficiency of some kind. They're in need of something. And so we'll get, they'll, they'll have supplements. The doctor will supplement their diet. Friend, listen, a lot of false teachers in these days, they're going to try to make you have a deficiency in God's Word. You need the whole counsel of God's Word to grow up into the healthy, happy, delightful disciple that Jesus wants you to be. Somebody say amen. And you've got to be patrolling. You've got to be constantly scanning and on guard. You need to know your enemy. Look what the Bible says in verse number 19. The Bible says they went out, he defines these antichrists, says they went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they'd been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. What's he, what's he speaking of? He said many of these, these teachers, these false teachers, they used to be a part of churches. They were part of real gospel preaching, Bible-believing, Bible-teaching churches, but they went out. Well, did they lose their salvation? No, friend, they never had it. Faith that fizzles before the finish had a flaw from the first. Faith that fizzles before the finish had a flaw from the first. Friend, listen, you can't lose... Well, you, listen, I have never lost a million dollars. You want to know Why? It's not because I've got a good bank. I've never had a million dollars. There's a lot of people, friend, they've never lost their salvation because they never had it. These deliberate false people that preach these teachings, friend, against the Word of God deliberately, they didn't lose anything. They never had it. The Bible clearly teaches from Matthew 13, 24, that the devil plants tares among the wheat. You can't tell them apart. Only the Lord of the harvest can shake out at the end. Make no mistake, friend, God will settle out. I want to tell you something. You can sit here on the pew Sunday after Sunday. You can fool me. You can fool the person in front of you, behind you, but there's one you won't fool, and that's God. He knows whether you've been saved or whether you're lost. You can fool. You can, you can, you can ease along and blend in with everybody, but sooner or later, friend, it's going to come out whether you've got oil in your lamp or not, whether the Holy Spirit of God really lives in your heart. God knows. God knows. And the devil plants people like that in churches. That's, that's why, you know, listen. I, rest of you, well, isn't it great? Isn't it, I, we want workers to come. That's why the Bible says lay hands on no one suddenly. We want to get to know everybody that comes. We want to know what people believe, what they think. We want to spend time. We want to ask questions of them. What do you believe about this? What do you believe about that? Before you begin to lend your ear to someone who has spiritual influence, you need to understand and ask questions and research the core doctrines that they believe before they have any influence over your life. But, but look what John says in verse number 21. He says, I'm not, I've not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lies of the truth. He said, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, and I'm not standing up here this morning telling you anything that 9% of you don't know but we need to be reminded of. 
I set reminders in my... Listen, I know that June 15th is the next payment for quarterly taxes. I know that. But I've got about five reminders set in my phone to make sure I pay it on time. I know that. But I set, I set reminders so that I can make sure... I'm, most of you know this, but we need... Why? Because the devil, friend, tries to make those truths dull and to make us forget. And it gives an inroad for Satan to have influence into our lives. And so if it's contrary to the word, listen, it's a lie. And a partial truth is just as much an untruth. You need to be aware of that. And don't give any ear to a preacher or a teacher, any minister on the radio, through books, or anywhere else, friend, listen, that, that skims over truth. And say, well, they're 99% right. I've shared this before, and it's the only illustration I know. If I took this bottle of water this morning and I spit in it, would anybody in their right mind come drink it? It's 95% water. It's still mostly water. But friend, you can't tell where the water stops and the spit begins. And I'm telling you, when you've got false teachers, you can't tell where truth ends and a lie begins. If someone preaches and teaches something that's contrary to Scripture, cut them off and don't give ear to it anymore. Because Satan works, you need to be on patrol. As a soldier of Christ, when you stay alert, you stay alive. You stay alert, you stay alive. And you're able to enjoy abundance in these last days. Power must be reality. Patrolling must be a reality. And third, and I close this morning, placement. Placement needs to be a reality in your life. Where are you daily placed? Notice a word that's said over and over again. Look at, look at verse number 24. Therefore, let that... What's the word? Abide. Therefore, let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. Look at verse number 27. But the anointing which you have received from him... What's the word? Abides in you. Look at verse number 28. And now, little children, abide in him. We must be abiding. In the Lord. That word abiding means, it means to be at home. Listen to me. The Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the person of Jesus Christ ought to be just as comfortable to you as sitting in your chair with your favorite blanket laid across your lap. It ought to be more comfortable. It ought to be comfortable. You, you ought to be at home daily and grounded in the Word of God, in the Spirit of God, and in the person of Christ. You can experience an abundant life in these last days if that's not a reality in your life. You know, sometimes when someone moves or they return home from a trip, you'll call and say, you know, you guys all right? And they'll say, yeah. Say, we just got settled in. We're all settled in. And we've got, we got our bags unpacked, and we're all, we're all settled in. We're relaxed, and everything's good. Listen, that's how you've got to be in these last days. In, in the Word of God, in the Spirit of God, and in the person of God. Number, number one, you've got to be abiding in the Scriptures. Look at what verse 24 says. Let, therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, that is, it's at home. It's, it's at rest. It's, it's, it's just a, a simple, comfortable part of you. If, if the Word of God abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. He said, that which you've heard from the beginning. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. So they heard the Gospel, and the process of discipleship should have begun 
Matthew 28, teaching and observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. That's the reason Greenwood Baptist Church has the strong emphasis we have on the Word of God. You can't follow who you don't know. And you can't know Christ intimately apart from the Word of God. And so the ministry of the Word is the most important thing that we do at this church. People are reached with the Word. They are grown in the Word. They are encouraged in the Word. And he says, so that the, the Word of God has, has to be at home in your heart. Know God's Word. Stow God's Word. Show God's Word how we live and sow God's Word in people's lives. And it's something that we do daily. He said, you're daily to abide in the Word. Listen, not just when the wheels fall off the wagon. You ever, listen, no problem getting people to abide in the Word when the wheels fall off. They'll dust the Bible off. And, and listen, if that's what it takes to drive you to your knees, praise the Lord. But my friend, I'm telling you, it ought to be a joy to experience God through the reading of His Word when the wheels are on the wagon and making no noise at all. Every single day, our lives are to be marked by abiding in the Word. He says, and when you do that, you'll continue in the Son and in the Father. And families, I want to say, your whole family must be abiding in the Word. And that ought to be a normal thing. I talked to a fellow one time and says, well, now, you're a pastor. It's different for your family. It's like, are you stupid? Listen to me, my friend. That, that is to be reality for everyone. Listen, it is abnormal to not abide in the Word of God in Jesus' eyes. It's abnormal. It ought to be a common thing for your family to talk about God's Word. I've heard that say, well, you can't witness to family. Why can't you witness to family? Your foot's already in the door. You already know them. If there's anybody you ought to be able to talk to about the things of God, it's somebody that you're kin to. But Satan comes along, friend, and tries to make that difficult. No, sir, no, ma'am. It ought to be a, if we're abiding in the Word, it ought to be an easy thing to happen. Genesis chapter 19, verse 14, one of the saddest truths in Scripture is when Lot was his time to leave Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember, he tried to get spiritual with his family. He had pitched his tent towards Sodom. He moved to Sodom. Then he was sitting at the gate at Sodom, which meant he had influence in the city. God says he's going to destroy the city, tells him it's time to leave, sends two messengers, and he tries to get his holy hat on, dust off his Bible, and he starts trying to talk to his son-in-laws. And you remember what they did? They laughed at him. They laughed at him. Why? Because he had not abided in the Word. His life wasn't marked by the Word. And then he had no spiritual influence. Placement, our lives are to abide in Scripture. Not only that, we're to be abiding in the Holy Spirit. Look what the Bible says in verse 27. Look at your Bibles. But the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you. That is, friend, when you get saved, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says you do not need that anyone teach you. Now, that doesn't mean we should separate ourselves from teaching because the Bible says in the book of Hebrews we're to assemble ourselves together. We are to study God's Word. The psalmist in Psalm 119 says we're to hide God's Word in our hearts so, we have to, so that we, we won't sin against God. So we know there's the importance of the ministry of the Word, but even if no one verbally shares with us and we have God's Word... We have a teacher. He's the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, You have received the anointing you received from him. If he abides in you, you do not need that anyone should teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. 
And so, friends, we need to be settled in the Holy Spirit because He teaches us. If you're here this morning, I want you to listen to me, and you've never been saved. You know that's you. You just perked up. Everything I'm saying to you right now is like Charlie Brown's teacher. Just bought, He's up there sweating and raising his voice and just wah, 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 wah. I don't understand. I mean, they're so, they were people raising, little elderly woman raising her hands, and he touched me, and this other person's got their hands, and somebody's crying over, he touched me. What, what is that all about? I'll tell you why you don't understand it. Because 1 Corinthians 2.14 says you're lost, and you can't understand it. The natural man doesn't understand the things of God because the things of God are spiritual. But when the Holy Spirit lives within your heart, boom, God turns the lights on. How do you know this? Because I experienced it. I didn't understand what the shout was all about. I didn't understand why somebody had cried amazing grace. I didn't understand why saints were so excited about Jesus Christ. But friend, listen, but when I experienced Him, I understood then. Then the Word of God began to make sense. God turned the lights on. And so what John's saying is this, friend, if you want to be able to avoid the pitfalls, to be able to successfully navigate trials and hardships that the devil's trying to turn into temptations because you turn away from Christ and to destroy your faith, you've got to abide in the Holy Spirit. You've got to realize He is the best friend that you'll ever have. You've got to listen to His voice. When He says, go, you go. When He says, stop, you stop. When He says, don't speak, be silent, shut up. Whatever He says, you do. Some of the greatest advice that was ever given was from the mother of Jesus Christ. Do you remember what she said? When Jesus was beginning his first ministry at the wedding of Canaan, she went to those individuals and she spoke of her son and she said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Whatever he says, friend, listen, when God speaks through his spirit, you better do what he says. He says, you don't need one to teach you. You've got, you've got the Holy Spirit. But there's things you can do that can destroy that. You ought to write these down. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. Don't quench the Spirit. Friend, if you want a fire to burn, don't pour water on it. Don't quench the Holy Spirit when He's ministering in your life through disbelief and through disobedience. Don't do that. Ephesians 4 and verse 30 says, Grieve not the Spirit. Friend, listen, I hate when I was little, sometimes I would disobey my parents. And when I did that, I grieved them. It broke their heart when I would disobey. When you disobey the Lord, friend, you grieve His Spirit. Psalm 66, verse 18, you've got to be sanitized. Ephesians 5, 18, you've got to be surrendered. You've got to abide in the Spirit and be dependent upon the Holy Spirit of God. And then also that, friend, you've got to abide in the Son. Stay with me, verse number 28. The Bible says, And now, little children, abide in Him, that when He, that's Jesus, appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Now listen, we're not having church tonight. So that means I get a whole other hour this morning, okay? I'm just kidding. But stay with me. You're to abide in the Word. It's to be at home. You're to abide in the Spirit, and you're to abide in the Son. That means the person of Jesus Christ must be real to you. I want to ask you a question. Now listen to me. Is Jesus Christ real to you? Or is He just a name? Is He just a person you've heard about and you hope to see one day? Or is he real to you? Friend, I can only share my own personal testimony. I've never seen him with my eyes. I have never heard his sweet voice. 
but he is as real to me right now as if I had known him for all my life. How is that so? Because I read his word. Every, every morning, friend, listen, Jesus speaks to me. When I open his Bible, friend, after I've prayed and asked God to cleanse me, to forgive me of any sin, friend, listen, Jesus speaks to me. He speaks to me through his word. When I pray and I'm still, friend, listen, he speaks to me. You say, what does he sound like? I've never heard him. But it's a voice my, my, my soul and my heart knows. And so when I see Christ, when the rapture takes place, or should I die today, friend, and to be absent from the body and be present with the Lord, I'm going to see one, friend, and it's not going to be the first time. He is real to me. Is he real to you? You see, when you abide in Christ, Jesus will be real to you. You're going to have a growing relationship with him through study, through prayer, and through obedience. Friend, listen to me. You will never... How many of you say, boy, I can't wait to get to heaven and just have fellowship with Christ, just to walk with him down the street of gold? Sure, that'll be great. But don't you know something, friend? You will never, on this side of eternity, have more fellowship with Christ than when you're obeying his word. It's not just enough to read it. It's not just enough to amen it. It's not just enough to pray it and say, oh God, let it be. Friend, listen, you're never closer to Jesus than when you're being a doer of his word. That's when he's real. When you say, Lord, I love you so much, no matter the challenge, no matter the sacrifice, I'll do your holy word. And that's how he's real, as you do that. And the Bible says in verse number 28, you'll have confidence. Look at this. And now, little children, abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before his coming. I've shared this illustration before, but we've got a lot of new faces. So if you've heard it, just act like you never have. I grew up in the Smoky Mountains. We had something we don't have here in East Tennessee a lot, and that was snow days. We, listen, we never got out of school before June, second week of June. We always, I mean, when I went to school in Alabama, it was like people get out of school in May. I was like, do what? We always got out of school in June because of snow days. Both my parents were teachers, and we got old enough, my mom and dad started letting my brother and I stay at home. But we just didn't get to stay at home. We stayed at home, but there was also this terrible list that would be left. And the list would have things that needed to be done. Today you need to do this, this, and this. And sometimes my brother and I would just get in there and we'd be wise and we would do those things. And when Daddy's truck, it was a 1979 Toyota, when it would turn up the driveway, that, that engine just had a certain sound to it. And when it would turn up the driveway, listen, we were glad they were home. We'd go to the door and greet them, and we were glad to see Mother and Dad. My mother worked at the junior high school. Daddy would pick her up. They'd come home. We were, when they would come home, we were glad to see them. We had confidence to see them because we had done. But sometimes we didn't do what they said. And we'd be running around trying to polish and to put up and to empty and to fold. And when they came through the door, friend, listen, we were trying to hide. You want to know why? Because we hadn't done what they'd said. But when you abide in Christ, friend, you're a doer of these words. The Bible says, listen, you can have confidence when Jesus comes. You're not, you're, not, you're not going to be ashamed. The Bible says, if you know that he is righteous, verse 29, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. It's not going to be merely a desire, but it's going to be a reality. If you're really abiding in Jesus Christ, the Bible says you're going to be a doer of his word. And when that's reality in your life, friend, listen, in the last days that are filled with challenges, lawlessness, 
difficulties, hardship, in the midst of all of that. The Bible says, listen, as God's children, we can live lives of abundance. We don't have to walk around with our jaws dragging the ground. And it's because, friend, listen, we have a growing, surrendered, personal relationship with Jesus Christ that is marked by abiding. By abiding in His Word, in His Spirit, and in the precious Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you, as we face these challenging and difficult days, do you want to merely survive? Listen to me. We're going to imitation right now. Do you want to merely survive in these last days? Or do you want to thrive? You've got to make your own choice. I'm just telling you this, friend. The road's going to be rocky till Jesus comes. I've made my mind up. I don't want to walk around defeated. I don't like what's going on. But I'm going to experience the abundance that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Who's going to go with me? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Now listen. You need to know this. The devil doesn't want you to hear it. You need to perk up. You need to wake up. And you need to hear this truth. I care not how many times you've been to church. I care not how many Bible schools you've been to. I care not how many invitations you have sat through. If there's never truly been a moment where the Spirit of God gripped your life over your lostness and you confess your sin to Jesus and chose to turn from it and trust Him at that moment to be Lord of your life, you are lost in your sin this morning. And if you died today, you're going to hell. God loves you. He sent Jesus to die in your place. Just like soldiers from since before 1776 yielded their lives so that we can have the freedom that we have as Americans. Friend, listen, they willingly gave their life so that we could have freedom. Jesus died on the cross so that you could have freedom that no one could give you but Him. It's freedom from sin's penalty, sin's possession. And one day from sin's presence. But you've got to choose to turn and receive Christ. God has done everything short of violating your free will. But you've got to choose today to turn and receive Him. Won't you do that? In the quietness of your heart right now, if you've never been saved, you tell God that you want to repent and you want to trust Jesus to be Lord of your life. Tell Him just like this where you sit. God, forgive me a sinner. I turn from my sin today no matter the cost. I believe Jesus died for me. And I trust Him to be Lord of my life. Now, God, take that life. Mold me and make me into the man and woman you want me to be. Give me a servant's heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I had your bowed, your eyes are closed. No one's looking around. Did you pray that prayer? Did you mean it? Then in just a moment, when they begin to sing, I'm going to stand right down here at the front. I want you to be bold. And I want you to step out in one of these aisles and make your way forward and say, I prayed that prayer. I trusted Christ. Child of God, would you be honest? Are current events depressing you a little bit? Causing you to lose hope? Has your faith been shattered by sickness, challenges, adversity in your own families? God never promised that all the challenges would disappear, but He promised that He'd go with us all the way. We'll always have a friend that sticks closer than any brother. You can, you can thrive, friend. You can have abundance in these last days. But only if your life is marked 
by this text this morning. If God's Spirit is convicting you today, do business with Him. Where your life is found not looking like Christ, yield it to Him afresh and anew today. God may be leading you to come join this church family. However this church receives members, you come. Respond to God today. Father, you challenge your church. You speak to us. And God, I pray that not one single person is going to leave here today, God. Not one single person is going to leave here who has grieved you and been disobedient to what you're calling them to do. But we'll experience Christ's best as we yield ourselves to you today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Let's reverently stand our feet.